Most of the founders I've had as guests on First Principles have also been CEOs. And one of the questions I've asked almost all of them is if they've thought about when to make way for someone else as CEO. If leadership is a ladder, we often make the mistake of thinking that the CEO title sits at the very apex. Instead, leadership is often a journey. And the best founders know that to create organizations that outlast them, the CEO title is but one milestone in their own journey. The road doesn't end there. Varun Dua, my guest today, is the founder of ACO, a digital-first insurer most recently valued at over $1.4 billion. He was also ACO's CEO before himself hiring a seasoned insurance industry leader to take over that role. That's not the only thing different about Varun. He freely admits that as a graduate, he was super lazy and had no plan for his life. Absolutely no interest in being an entrepreneur. In fact, his dream at one point was to get hired by eBay or ClearTrip. Thankfully for him, neither of those companies hired him. So he ended up starting one company, which morphed into another, which morphed into Aco. Along the way, he became super driven from super lazy. Welcome to episode 22 of First Principles. I'm Rohan Dharmakumar, your host. In today's episode, Varun reflects on the choices he made in his career and life and talks about how he's preparing for the ones that still lie ahead. We talk about the importance of truly owning customer relationships, how incentives drive behavior, whether for employees, partners or customers. Why asking people what they would do differently with their lives is often a revealing one. How efforts and results can have a snowball effect on not just our careers, but entire outlook towards life. And why the job of a founder is to connect the dots and ring the giant invisible bell as necessary. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Varun, you're the 22nd guest to appear on First Principles. All 22 of them have been co-founders. Most of them have been CEOs. You're the co-founder of ACO, but you're not the CEO. Sure. When and how did that transition happen? Uh, interesting start. <laughs> uh, uh, firstly, thank you for having me over. But uh, it uh, just to put a timeline to it, the company is now about six years old. Uh, I think uh, we got Sanjeev, who is the CEO, on board uh, about 18, 20 months ago. Uh, the company was expanding. Uh, Sanjeev has been a thorough insurance professional. He's worked with ICICIs. He was the CEO of uh, Bharti Aksa. And as the company expanded and we looked at the different things that we were doing, um, I knew where my strengths were. My strengths were really about taking the product forward, uh, zero to one uh, pieces forward, uh, setting up newer businesses within the company. Uh, as some of the PLs were maturing, I think that it needed a lot more focus. 
uh, to be able to do some of these things. Uh, we are also a regulated business. Uh, so it uh, involves a lot of uh, interfacing with the regulator, fairly constant, either sometimes proactively or sometimes they keep interfacing with you. And I didn't think uh, that I could do justice to all of these things, being the regulatory phase, um, being also somebody who's running the PNL day in and day out, starting zero to one businesses, mentoring the teams, uh, actually making any meaningful difference to their careers because you're just just too stretched out, trying to manage a uh, you know managing investors. Uh, uh, so I thought it was the right time. Uh, this is a this yeah. is a very important thing that you bring up, which is when founders start up they are doing virtually anything and everything. Yes. And then the businesses <clears throat> continue to grow and they continue to do more and more stuff. Yes. And I think the nature of a founder is that whatever is thrown at you, you will continue to do it. And you will never say, I can't do more. I can't do this. And I think one of the interesting transitions for many people and for many founders at a certain stage is when they say, look, I'm not doing justice to all of these things that I'm doing. And yes. I want to make a choice about what I'm good at and do more of that. And that's, that's from essentially your answer. the choice. That's essentially the choice. I thought uh, I knew Sanjeev for a fairly long time. Uh, I thought he was one of those insurance professionals who understood the business very deeply and could also traverse that journey of this new world, right? Somehow these two worlds have not come together. Uh, and most of the banking or the insurance thoroughbred professionals who understand balance sheets, uh, risk businesses have really been the, let me call them financial services professionals in Bombay who deeply understand the business, uh, but probably don't understand technology, don't understand product, consumer interfaces, all of that, you know, sort of very well. Uh, and actually to me, Aqua is just like trying to get this blend right, you know, deeply understand you know, the business, uh, it's a risk business, it's a complicated business, but also make it more consumer friendly in with today's tools uh, that might be available. Uh, Sanjeev, I probably knew for a fairly long time, he was almost like somebody I would bounce off stuff with, uh, when I was setting up the company. Uh, and I kind of kept telling him, you know, it's the right time, I think you can handle this better than me. Uh, and I'm good at a few things, you know, and I know the way we also, I, I think it needs also a little bit of maturity. Uh, it needs people to have their own space to operate. Uh, one of the complicated things that you can end up doing is getting a CEO and not give them any space to uh, space to operate. Yeah, so it's been a little bit of a learning uh, journey for me. Uh, the way, at least, the things that I'm close to, that I manage on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, are really how the brand shapes up across, you know, uh, how customer experience is delivered. So anything which is horizontal, uh, which is largely impacting how consumers perceive ACO, uh, is is something that I closely manage, uh, but all the PNLs, uh, everything, the revenue, growth, profitability, everything is run by him. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting transition. But yeah, I, I think I'm more uh, I'm more in a place doing what I like to do, uh, doing it more effectively. Uh, and I have somebody who's seen these PNLs and these balance sheets at a much larger scale, so can identify issues probably earlier than me. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it's the right combination. Yeah. I want to go deeper into this transition and like, you know, how you uh, came to those crossroads and decided how to, but we'll do that later. Before that, can we go a little bit deeper into ACO? Could yeah. I ask you to explain in a line or two what ACO is? 
so I'll start with what it is not, uh, because that's the public <laughs> narrative, uh, which is India's first or like leading whatever digital insurer. Uh, that's that's the definition that you know the label, if I can say, that's been uh, put on us. Uh, in some ways, it's right, but uh, deeply to me, it's just not it at all. Uh, uh, the I think to me, one of the biggest challenges with insurance is that customers are not. Direct, Sorry, Varun, yeah. I'm going to hold you on this. Yeah. I want a one to two one line, line answer okay. on Where, one to two line answer one to two on what line answer is ACO. What, what is ACO? Okay. Uh, ACO to me is a protection destination for the top 100 million to 200 million people in India who are digitally savvy. That's all I would put it as. It's a place where it's they get reliable protection. There's no nasty surprise uh, when you're trying to claim because that's the general narrative for insurance, right? That claim ke time problem hoga, you know. Hmm. Uh, it's that reliable place that we want to build for a segment of users where whether it's their cars, bikes, health, life, travel, trips. Do you operate in the life insurance space? We're just starting off ah, in August. Okay, which is interesting because yeah. when you said protection without qualifying it as non-life, I was wondering, but wait, like, you know, yeah. does ACO currently offer life we, insurance? We're starting off. We, we've moved from that, that Indian family Whatever protection it needs, we want to be that destination. Of course, we cannot be that destination for every segment of society. It's very different, you know, the, the kind of protection need that somebody in, in, in a tier three town or a village in India has is very different. Their awareness levels are very different. So I think the first phase for ACO uh, is at least trying to be the protection destination for families who are the top 200 million families in India who are aware and who have the consumption power to do it. Like that's that's Would happening. be fair to say that the market that you're going after are those who have access to the internet and are to some extent yes. digitally savvy as yes. well? To some extent, yes. Yes. As an insurer, you sell all of your insurance directly or do you also, uh, you don't have any agents? No, we Unlike don't. other traditional insurers. Yeah. So so the thing uh, is, is uh, we don't have, and people look at us as a digital insurer selling insurance directly to customers. Uh, and the more and more I think about it, uh, to me, it is not about selling digitally. Digital is a channel. The challenge that the business has faced or the industry has faced and consumers have faced is the fact that the relationship of the customer is not owned by the insurance company. It's owned by the intermediary. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. If you have a car dealer or an agent who's done your car insurance, two years later, he says, hey, company A, which I did your car insurance from, is nowadays, you know, not being very cool with claims. Obviously, we know what's happening and because the incentives. You, yeah. And can you can you move to company B? You probably would because your trust is in that relationship, really not in that company, A or B. Uh, and that to me is the biggest challenge uh, of running this business. And that to me is the biggest challenge why consumers also perceive insurance fairly poorly. Uh, to tell you, it's one of the lowest NPS businesses in the world. Uh, not just in uh, India. The the like to give you an example, health insurance NPS globally would be about fourteen. You know, it's that bad. There's just lack of trust. But I'm assuming yeah. that's because for most people, it's something that you pay for yeah. when you don't need it, and then when you need it, like you know whatever it troubles you. So it, yeah, exactly. It troubles right? you when so, you need it. So yeah. it leads to yeah. adverse feedback 
from customers it's so inherent in the it's hand. inherent in the business model like i keep like i keep saying this insurance customer is the hardest customer to keep happy uh, because if he keeps like you rightly said if he keeps paying you and doesn't need to claim he's like i'm wasting my money and when he claims something's gone wrong so he's in a bad mood you know if your car's been hit or your next of kin is in the hospital i don't see how you're going to be happy at that point in time right like so any small slip up at that time of claims fulfillment the emotional reaction it's not like a late order you know amazon shipped you something or flipkart and it's running delayed and you're a little irritated if somebody's in the hospital or you're on the road with an accident you're emotionally high strung at that point right so even a small slip up leads to very negative uh, uh negative reactions and and uh, coming back to the point of digital is not digital we want to own that relationship with the end user that's why the brand is so important you kept yes. talking about yes. one of the things that you work yes. on and concentrate a lot on yes. is brand yeah uh the i i would say more than the brand first is owning the relationship with the user if the agent or the car dealer or the bank who's the seller of the policy is owning the relationship with the user it's very hard there's misselling that happens incentives are not aligned they push wrong products because they want more uh more commissions so you don't end up building as an insurance company a direct relationship with your end users so we are today saying that we are happy to work even with an intermediary but we would like to control the relationship and the fulfillment experience i want to understand that what yeah. does that mean because i would i would have yeah. come to that which is essentially if you are selling through intermediaries an intermediary could be a platform it could be an agent whatever so what when you say it's important to own the customer yeah help me understand why What is it that, that yeah. why is it that an insurer doesn't own it technically yeah, if I it's a competitor to you yeah. and they sell through an agent let's take the car insurance example that you yes. gave now yeah. I, i may buy through an agent or yes. my car dealer yeah. but once i buy especially in today's system the insurer does have my details they yes. do have my contact details yeah. so why am i not owned by that what prevents that I'll, insurer I'll, I'll from probably, owning i'll probably i'll probably delve a little deeper uh in some cases they'll have your details in some cases they might not even have your details in car insurance i uh, let me put it this way without naming a company the top 2 3 companies in car insurance by market share would probably have 30% phone numbers for their customers the car dealers and agents put their own phone numbers uh that's number 1 let's take health insurance where number identity is not a problem you know uh because you'll have to probably do a medical test kyc whatever it is so the insurance company has your details has having your identity details does not equate to owning the relationship and i'll probably it's just a necessary but not it's sufficient it's necessary uh, uh, so what will happen is technically let's say i'm a car insurer i get your details from the car dealer now i try to make a phone call to you to say hey i can offer you abcd service or would you like to buy my health insurance i've got a custom plan for you the you are not allowed to do that by the intermediary because the intermediary wants to protect the wallet of the customer saying i want to sell what i want to sell to this user so when you say you're <clears throat> not allowed they they don't look at it kindly is that they don't look means? at it kindly because and they have a relationship and you know they're like if you do this we are not going to sell your product so two reasons they won't don't want to be cut out if you de- develop a direct relationship with an insurer tomorrow you may drop the agent or dealer and directly into the standard fear of all middlemen a standard fear so that's one so they want to continue they do not want any communication apart from maybe some servicing claim update whatever it is between 
the insurance company and the customer because they hey please don't take my renewal away because i make commissions on renewal don't try to develop a direct relation please don't cross sell anything to the user uh i am a car dealer i've sold you a car insurance i want the car to be repaired in my workshop because that's again revenue to me if as an insurance company i try to tell you hey i can get your work done better your car repair done better and cheaper in workshop b he is not kind to me the intermediary is not kind to me so essentially if i want to improve the service levels of the customer i can't do anything because the intermediary is saying hey get the car back to me please don't deviate my car to you know some some other workshop if if i want to cross sell you something if i want to update you about a new product that i've launched this is artificially restricted now can is there a rule that you know you can't do this the answer is no of course of course it's a business relationship it's, it's a business so. relationship because if you try to do that you fall out of favor with the intermediaries and the intermediaries start doing business with other companies who are happy to you know forego this relationship uh people who are happy to forego the relationship actually do more business uh, uh from a top line bottom so line the system in- incentivizes like you know uh such behavior where you yes. don't need to own the customer yes. in order to have like a higher top line you don't in fact it's faster to build a top line with much faster if you don't try to if you be like what i would like to call a wholesale balance sheet you're a balance sheet okay i'll, I'll give you a, give you a very uh interesting example there's no difference between lending and underwrite uh, lending and uh, insurance really it's just just reverse you give out a loan and you hope to collect it back right uh, and you therefore you want to give it to the right user with the right intent right income whatever it is likewise insurance you've given your insurance to somebody now you hopefully have given it to the right guy who is not going to defraud you who is not going to show that his car is stolen and try to take a claim who's not going to buy health insurance after he's gotten sick to try and defraud the system so it's really finding the right intent uh, for the right user when there is no access to the customer at this level like we just spoke about you cannot underwrite what you do therefore is uh so i just want to yeah. kind of explain yeah. that phrase underwriting yes, yes. um okay it, let me it, let me let me yeah it's the act of what like uh so it's assessing easier for people risk. to yeah assessing the risk right it's easier for people to understand underwriting in terms of lending because it's a far more popular topic or far more public narrative out there so you would want to say okay credit score alternative score income telephone bill residence and say okay intent in you know this guy i can give him a personal loan of 10 lakh rupees now it plays similarly on the insurance side uh let's say if you live 3 kilometers from your workplace and i live 30 kilometers from my workplace so i'm 10 times more likely to have a probability of an accident you know i'm just driving a lot more sure. you know uh or let's say i have high claim behavior uh, that for every small scratch i am going to use my insurance there are customers who would be safer drivers there are customers who uh would fix small dents on their own and there are customers who will try to squeeze out every penny from insurance uh insurance is supposed to protect you at the point of mishap versus there are customers in india who will or probably all over the globe who look at as a what is my roi on this you know if i'm uh, paying x every yeah, year yeah, i need to get premium, something out of it right i need to yeah. uh, i need to get something out of it 
uh fair disclosure in my yeah. younger days yeah. my first 5 6 years i yeah. used to be in yeah. that then of course we learn that it catches up with you it catches no up claims with you bonus, right no claims no. bonus catches up your insurance keeps getting expensive you keep getting now as databases for insurance companies are building fraud data is being shared between insurance companies some insurance civil kind of stuff is getting created right so people so underwriting yeah. is a summation of, of all, all of the probabilities all, all of the probabilities. this which ends up with some kind of a credit score or some a kind of a score some safety reverse, score in, in reverse, reverse. Yeah. you know so in that in the world where the relationship is owned by the intermediary i just don't get enough data access to you i don't know what's happening with you i don't know who you are i don't know whether you're married i don't know whether you live in a gated society i don't know anything i would just know rohin honda civic bangalore like that's all i know you know so <clears throat> because i've you know given away the relationship to the uh, end intermediary or 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 the intermediary uh if i tell the intermediary for example i need more information on rohan i can give, develop an application i can all be on real time it doesn't have to be like a, a you know slow process uh but it just doesn't work like that he doesn't give you more information he is like happy to give you to the insurer or pass you on to the insurer who is not going to be very nitpicky and is going to accept the business because my commission just comes through you know so this consistently lowers the standards of underwriting and what that does is insurers tend to underwrite distribute a portfolios rather than individual customers you're a large car dealer in bangalore uh, you sell 5 crores worth of insurance every month uh, by and large i do 60 crores with you in the year uh, i'm getting a 10 15% margin on your business uh, so i will not care who the dealer is bringing in you is it rohin or is it granularity no, because no. you look at it as an aggregate you look the, at it as an aggregate the problem with this is that like the problem you're deferring with, this the i mean at some point this is going to become a granular problem whether you like it or not it right? is today also a granular problem the the problem with this is twofold one on the customer side and one on the pnl of the insurer right so let's say rohin is a great customer okay i have no way to identify that he is a great customer and he'll be put through that same level of scrutiny and investigation at the point of claim like any fraudster would be because i don't know you're a great guy with great intent and a consistently high performing good performing customer with low claim behavior so, or whatever it is so so the point that you're making is that yeah. we often look at the inability to distinguish between customers as i want to identify the bad customers but yes. you're also saying that it's equally important to identify the good customers Absolutely. to be able to give I them better deals i don't know good from deals. bad i don't know good and from how do everyone, i elevate my experience everyone you know? tends to be treated as potentially bad potentially fraud see when you don't know see uh, if you are when you are taking in a customer in insurance if your controls are loose if you don't have that granular view then when the claim is coming you have to have the granular view then then you have to ask for five documents ascertain that there is no fraud you know and so on and so forth you have to situationally assess that claim versus saying i know rohin is a great guy i know rohin is consistent i know he's not you know trying to game the system i don't need to ask for five more documents i don't need to make his life miserable because if there are not enough controls at the point of coming in then there'll be controls at the point of money going out you know you have to have it one you can't have it lose both sides uh, so that 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 becomes a challenge from a customer standpoint and on the business side of it because you're operating with such broad averages and you can't be granular about your business if you look at the top insurance company in india which is 
let me let me even name them it's public icic lombard largest Pub- largest private insurer largest private insurer almost now getting as large <laughs> as the public insurers now um listed uh they still don't turn an underwriting profit it's a profitable company uh, just to clarify uh, there are two income streams the insurance company has uh, one is if i'm able to make money on the insurance itself uh, and second is because it's an upfronted cash flow business sorry it's getting a little technical but i'll try and simplify it you give me the money today you pay your premium today your yeah, claims happen over it. a period of time so i have i invest that money i have a lot of investment customers pay me up front so i invest that money so i made make interest income so it's operational profit versus financial profit yes. sort so of so my hmm. insurance product doesn't make money for the top 2 3 companies in india after 25 years even today the reason the company is profitable is because my interest income from the premiums kind of covers my you know uh, losses on the insurance product uh that's where we don't want to be because uh this is not the model globally uh yeah because insurance globally is supposed to be it makes money on the product that's itself right. it, it, has yeah. it has to make money actuarial product where it has to make money on the, yes its premise is that you cannot be losing money more than what you're like yeah. you know earning yeah. so your cost of claims your money that you pay to the intermediaries and the overheads of running the company are more than the premium that you collect for the top 5 insurers in the country even today after 25 years how is it for you folks it's still higher because we are still 5 6 years into the business typically an insurance company would uh take about 8 to 9 years to get profitable but the reason why we are investing so deeply profitable on an underwriting basis or overall profitable overall you can get there a little faster and see underwriting you have to be profitable from day one actually okay the reason why we would not be somebody like us would not be profitable on day one is because okay you can cover your cost of acquisition you can cover your claims uh, you are underwriting well you know good customer from bad customer you're getting smarter about it as businesses scaling you are able to identify see patterns and so on and so forth what doesn't get covered very quickly is your overhead cost because we are saying okay we were just a car insurer now i'm setting up health and life insurance so it's a new unit so i have to deploy people i have to set up a completely new so it takes more it takes years time to... right so our initial businesses are profitable some of the initial cities that we launched are profitable as we are scaling health and life will not be profitable for us for a, for some time because it's just begun uh life is in fact not begun and health has begun about a year ago so yeah. one uh, one last question on this yeah. before we move on from this is you said that the top insurers are still not underwriting profitable and you know even after being around for 25 years and this is this is different from the way the rest of the world operates yes how is it for you how yeah. i mean uh, are you different uh, from them are you closer to the way the rest of the world operates on that so, same so not, parameter so not necessarily i'm not saying in that model that they are doing uh, you cannot do that because there are companies globally which run the way an icici would run or run the way a bajaj would run I mean, it's and, a strategy and, yeah, right you strategy, lose in right. one area and yeah. you gain somewhere else uh, the reason why we have chosen to go down the path that we have is and we are uh, confident that is that we don't get into this and owning the customer uh, it 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 might seem like a uh, it might seem like a soft thing uh, but it is really what completely changes the business model on its head uh, to give you an example if you buy a car insurance and the dealer car dealer gets 25% commission next year you choose to go to the company's website and renew it on your own like a bill let's say you do that or you go to phone pay and you do your renewal that original sourcing car dealer next year will again get 25% okay you get the 
agent will get commissions for perpetuity okay even if he is not even shown his face uh, uh in next year onwards the reason why this happens is because if i say hey mr agent you didn't do any work for it the customer is not even talking to you he is coming and buying off my website uh why should i pay you 25% again he'll say okay don't pay me i'll now call rohan and i'll tell him company is not giving claims on time these days please move to company b so it incentivizes agents to churn you out and give you out to some other insurance company so there is perpetuity commission so built like, in got yeah. it so nobody wants to rock the boat nobody wants to rock the boat except when you say that the agents are being paid perpetuity um, commissions and perpetuity it effectively means that the customer is paying for it is paying for Absolutely. it right because if if somebody is getting 25% out of something that i'm paying Every year. it's potentially could be something i could not be paying as a customer absolutely and so so that's why the owning the customer and the direct relationship changes everything at the point of the first transaction at the point of the first transaction today aqua sells directly to consumers so is my first year cost of acquisition 25% no it's much larger because i have to invest in the brand i have to invest in the traffic and so on and so probably double of what a traditional but it falls but next year it's free it's free for the customer he's not paying that 25% it's it's free for me uh, and the annuity revenue starts building in you know the customers are then renewing and they form a direct relationship they come and buy more products they like the service and and so on and so forth so it takes a little longer uh, to get there uh, it needs heavy upfront investment and that's why the brand and i'll also probably qualify this we all also tend to you know uh, i'm attempting to just break some narratives hopefully uh, all you know have this view this fintech insurtech you know this broad broad world and there's credit and there's wealth and there's insurance right like that's really the three big buckets your wealth tech credit and insurance when you look at it these businesses are very different from a consumer standpoint i'm not even talking from the pnl forget the pnl now when you look let's say if i have a banking relationship with a bank for 20 years but and i need a loan if some newbie who i've never heard of comes and gives me a cheaper loan i'll take it i don't care i want the cheapest loan possible i want the lowest emi possible i have no affinity to my bank or very low affinity to my bank or anybody that i know if somebody gives me a all, cheaper loan cuz all money is just money money is just money I, why would i pay more emi to hdfc or icici or city bank or whoever like i need a cheap loan uh so brand plays a role because it gives you some but it is not the decision maker uh, uh meaningfully it, i'll take the cheapest loan possible when you take wealth savings gold maybe i want to do bitcoin real estate mutual funds shares whatever it is that i want to do no single manufacturer of any investment product can make all these products i can't make real estate and gold and mutual funds for you right so it's always going to be a portfolio management approach and there is a lot of value platforms can create by aggregating and helping you manage that portfolio and helping you make money so it's a very different approach here on lending cost is the primary thing here managing your money effectively giving you all the options making it easy for you to manage your money uh, increasing your wealth is really where the value is coming in now let's move to insurance Do you need ten life insurance policies in your lifetime? No, you need one. You need one health insurance policy. If you are reasonably comfortable with your car insurance provider, you are likely to renew, continue to. Renew. You may keep changing cars, but you have that one car insurance. It's not shopping behavior. You need one brand that you trust and you can rely on, because here. you give me the money first and you hope to get it back if something wrong happens so the brand gets very very critical very critical different from credit different from 
you know, uh, wealth management because I need to trust you that you will be around five years from now, 10 years from now, if something wrong were to happen. And I am not browsing and doing portfolio optimization that this mutual fund is good, now gold put money in gold. One good policy should be in life. Mein. I just want one thing I can rely on. I you agree know. with you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, just an observation. Yeah. The way this has changed is, um, for whatever you're saying to be true, it requires the consumer to have this awareness that I need to be with this one insurer uh, for life, right? And the way it's been done in the past in India is that insurance is always sold, yes. not bought. Yes. Right? So most Indians didn't really care. An insurer was telling them, get this like policy because you'll get money back. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. we've seen insurance yeah. in India as, um, especially through the agent route being uh, misused because consumers don't understand it. Yeah. So what you're also hoping for is this, it's a psychological shift in if I'm a consumer, I'm yeah. no longer being passively sold something, but I'm actively buying something. So because yeah. otherwise, why would I? I mean, I mean to, to continue with your example, sure. if an agent comes to me and says, this is your car insurance this year, next year, I'll give you one for cheaper. Why wouldn't I make that same decision? Because at the end sure. of the day, it's cheaper. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, so, so again, insurance being a push product versus a pull product is also a very generalized, broad narrative. Okay. What is pushed and why have we all as Indians learned that it is a push product uh, is because it was sold as an investment scheme by and large saying itna paisa milega, money back, whatever it That's is. That's right. Like you the know, worst yeah. uh, it was policy investment for a, insurance ever is money back life insurance policy. Absolutely. Right. right? Like because it doesn't make any sense. The lowest IRR that a customer, FD is better for you. <laughs> So, or ULIPs, there was a ULIP mania seven, eight years, ten years ago. It plays and, upon know, the traditional Indian, this thing of, ke paisa I, that's right, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I don't want to give money to someone in the fear of something happens to me. Nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah. So yeah. why should I make someone else rich? Might as well get May, some might money as well. back. But, so this segment is a complete push segment. I'm 100% aligned with you on that front. And I don't think that psychology is going to even change. And as banks or agents who can continue to peddle something, and partly I do believe it's starting to break and it's happened globally, it's going to break by regulations, uh, where it's where these kind of products will fall out of favor, because it's just not in the interest of the customer. Uh, A lot of people are now understanding that you're moving is, towards term insurance absolutely, and saying absolutely. you buy protection and keep investment separate. That's why I said Aqua is a protection destination. We mm. are not really, I use the word protection very carefully. We as insurance company and with now all the possible licenses we have, we have a life insurance license. Theoretically, I can do a money back policy. I can do a ULIP. I have the license to do it. We're choosing not to do it. I think we are horrible products for consumers. I wouldn't sell it to my family. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, probably want a consumer to have it. Uh, so when you take car, when you take health, when you take term, you know, travel, let's say when you're taking a trip or maybe at best pensions, you know, when you're really trying to, uh, you know, insurance companies also manage pensions. This is what all an insurance company should be providing. You know, the, in, in my personal opinion, everything which is laced with investments and all of that is really trying, is regulatory arbitrage uh, for lack of, uh, for lack of better words. When you look at protection products or pension, and pension is also to me protection. Why? Uh, term life, it's the risk of dying too early with responsibilities. A pension is the risk of living too long uh, with no income, you know, uh, in, 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 in some sense. So in this, the consumer psychology and awareness is already there 
to a degree that I need to get a reliable health insurance. You know, I need to get a reliable for the segment that's understanding is looking at it from maybe they're not consciously saying this to themselves, but that's how. So I would the reason why brand is important is I would always question that why would somebody buy Aco? They just don't even know us, right? Five years ago, even now I'm saying we are a much smaller brand than an ICICI, Tata Bajaj, HDFC is. We've grown up with these brands. So if I am looking at selling life insurance to somebody, uh, and he has an option with HDFC. you know like i want that reliability right hdfc 20 years who the hell is that like you know it's just a 5 6 year old company what's the answer to them that's why the investment in the brand that's why the investment in the experience i am not looking at this as a founder that this is a 5 10 year journey this like to me like a 25 30 year uh, uh situation what gives me hope is the fact that couple of the largest health insurers in the con- country today were not known 15 years ago uh star health insurance is way larger on health insurance than icici bajaj tata hdfc they are four five times the size of each of these companies on health insurance as a segment uh as indians we didn't know the brand 10 years ago or 15 years ago so new brands can be built customers can trust you uh but it takes patience and you got to keep going with it yeah how old is echo uh so it's it's a, like i said it's about 6 years old uh 2018 2017 we got the license uh and 2018 i think is when we first started getting some customers on board how yeah. many employees do you have today uh a little over a thousand a little over yeah mostly in bangalore and we have a couple of other offices in gurgaon and hyderabad and bombay yeah <laughs> uh what's the metric to look at your top line is it revenue is it premium income what is it that it's premium at? income uh we are uh, we closed uh, last financial with about 1500 crores uh in premiums this year uh, year has just begun it's just the first quarter out we are hopeful for upwards of about 2000 crores uh yeah so that's how fast are you growing right now uh i think we're growing at about 40% uh year on year uh uh is this sorry i mean this is very yeah, interesting 40% yeah. year on year is this is this growth coming from consumers that you acquire who are churning out from other this thing or is there a significant percentage of new new yeah. first time customers as well uh again it depends on the segment uh, if you like take car insurance is still our largest business today uh health has just started to pick up uh car insurance yes it's a replacement business because it's a mandatory product if i couldn't exist the customer would have bought it from somewhere uh uh so we we are basically replacing you know uh, somebody uh health not so sure some some of the customers that we get have had a health insurance policy before and choose to move it to aco or choose to get port a new their port their to. policy to aco and some are first time buyers of uh, health insurance uh it's hard to say how many uh, today but yeah it's a bit of both you've raised what over 450 million dollars yeah. in yeah, about venture capital yeah what was your last valuation uh we've just raised uh, in fact coincidentally we just got cci approval we had to go and get cci approval for it so that came in about a month ago so this was so about the general a, atlantic yes so this is at about a 1.4 billion yeah and how old are you i am 42 are you married do you yes, have kids yes i am yes i don't have kids yeah but i'm married yeah i've been married for about 10 years now yeah how many co-founders do you have uh none actually uh i started off 
<clears throat> there were one there was a lady called ruchi uh, who was the first person to come on board uh, so she uh, kind of co-founded the company with me uh, but she was a, she's recently kind of moved on to set up her own venture but she joined after the company had been set up uh, so in some sense she was a co-founder uh, but otherwise it's largely been a single founder company yeah all right i want to switch tracks to your entry into entrepreneurship yeah and even take you back like you know where do you grow up what do you study i have a very yeah, interesting background <coughs> like insurance got nothing to do with it neither i am a software engineer neither did i go to any iit uh, nor am i a finance professional i am an advertising intern i did and and this yeah. is the space that you're operating in is is the actual real space where yeah, essentially yeah, it's, it's like just deep numbers <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh so i grew up in bombay uh, most part of my life uh, studied there i did commerce for graduation i went to mica for an advertising degree i had marketing advertising degree i had no idea what i was doing uh i was not even sure i was interested in uh, advertising so to speak i didn't have too many options at that point uh so i just went did it i'll say I'll, i thought i'll study further and uh, coincidentally i got pulled into a job with Tata AIG, the Tata Group and AIG, which was an American insurer, they had just done a JV in two thousand one, and I joined them in two thousand four, straight out of college. Uh, I had uh, I I did a stint in advertising with Leo Burnett uh, for a while, and I realized it's not for me. What was it? Client servicing or uh, yeah, yeah, client servicing, some planning strategy, something, something. I I thought it was, I thought it was very. Uh, it was just not for me. Let me put it that way. It's just not for me. Uh, just as an aside, yeah. I do think that advertising as an industry is yeah. one of those industries, and this is going to sound like you know controversial. Has just been unable to move with the times and to kind of hold out a promise to talented people coming out of college saying that this is a sector yeah. where you can join and stay and build and grow your career yeah. so i've just seen way more examples of people who've yeah you know i mean talented people coming out very few are considering advertising as a sector and it wasn't like that like you it know when i like was that. you yeah. know uh, yeah you know. i i think it's less to do with uh, i i feel exactly the same i echo your sentiments i think it's and some of the people that i meet uh you know, we have some advertising partners agencies that we as aco we work with we are a large advertiser we are a consistent advertiser so uh continue to meet a lot of people they're quite talented uh quite a few of them are quite talented uh i just don't think that the incentives are aligned i would partly blame the client or the marketer who does not know what he wants and is not allowing the best work to you know uh, uh potentially uh shine uh i would love to have a model someday if possible where if awareness is the goal or revenue is the goal or cracking a new market is the goal whatever goal you're trying to achieve with advertising why can't the incentives be linked for the advertising partner with your metrics it just doesn't work like that so everyone's just managing optics right yeah Would it be fair to say that because you work in insurance now you start to see the world through incentives because in insurance you are yeah. essentially seeing everything as uh, everything wrong that's happening is because of bad incentives and therefore to correct it you need to really like and and I mean that as a good yeah, thing as well it, like, yeah it is yeah you just all it, I think a lot of the incentives. business models are like fundamentally <laughs> if you deeply go back and think they're working against you 
let's say there's a media deployment agency who's deciding you know whether you should buy ads on sony or ipl or you know put up a hoarding or whatever it is in a lot of cases they work on a percentage of your spend they force you to spend more because that's how they uh, make more money uh, if their model their revenue goals their internal revenue goals are dependent on if you are they going to give you the most optimized media spend probably not they're going to give you i'm not saying they do it but it just doesn't if i was on their side i would squeak in another channel for you because i'm getting 2% more it's converting my revenue so ideally it should be different you should help me save money you should help yeah, me I mean, you, know, you can't yeah, yeah. You can't use intent to argue with incentives. Yes, yes. Right? you can't when say intent, intent beyond a point. Clash. Yeah, it's murky, right? Like I, people operate usually, I believe, with the right intent. They build long-term relationships. But somewhere or the other, if my company, I'm a media company and I have a revenue pressure this year, it's a slippery slope. You know, you you can't blame the guy. That's you know, I I I have to run my company. So it's so a lot of these incentives. I I, I just don't think should be looked at differently in my my. So way. you joined Tata and G. Yes. Yes, what and doing? it was an amazing experience because I had no clue about insurance. Uh, and frankly, uh, if I may say so, at that point, nobody in the company also did because it was such a nascent industry. Uh, till two thousand one in India, there were only PSU insurers. All the Tatas and the ICICs came in only in two thousand one. So if you look at it uh, compared to banking or whatever, it's very young industry. It's just still you know twenty five years, uh, roughly about twenty five years old. Uh, apart from the PSUs, of course. So it had people from banking, it had people from telecom, it had people from, you know, some other financial services or lending or whatever. But really, everybody was doing insurance for the first time. Uh, that I think was an interesting phase for me because while I was very young and just like barely out of college, uh, I did well and I got to punch way above my pay grade because nobody knew, and I seemed to have you know done some decent work. So I kept doing larger projects. So. Bigger initiatives, and so that that five, and I also got I, I'd say really good bosses, really good mentors, uh, who kind of believed in me and just asked me to do stuff which are like, okay, great, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know how. Uh, so, can you know, contrary to belief, where large organizations may not be the best place to learn, uh, you know, it's slow culture and it's all all red tape and all that. I don't think that necessarily true. Uh, organizations, even startups, can get like that, where they bureaucratic. become bu bureaucratic at certain and size and scale. But uh, I think it's it's really dependent on the kind of people and the kind of culture that's there. If you, I genuinely feel feel that if you find the right bosses, even in a company which may be reasonably bureaucratic or whatever, they can instill the right sort of you know way of thinking and thinking bigger. At least one of the things that I learned over there was just how to think a little larger. Uh, Tata Group doesn't do smaller, small things like so. You'd be happy with something smaller, like no, 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 this doesn't make sense. Uh, so I think it was good learning ground. After that, I had a short stint in Templeton, which was in the mutual funds uh, business. And I think about 2010, I quit. I was just bored, and I had no plan. I had no interest in being an entrepreneur or doing something on my own, or no great ambition. In fact, I was at a crossroads, saying. Uh, maybe I want to study more, or like I I don't know what I want to do. This is back in uh, 2010. The only thing that I I had a keen interest in technology. I could see how whether it was a mutual fund business or whether it was the insurance business, they would really struggle with technology. Um, 
I was fascinated by what a Flipkart was doing at that point. I would just read up everything about it, you know, this 2010, right? Because Flipkart was also fairly young and I was like, oh, the world's changing. What am I doing in this fuddy-duddy financial services space? You know, it's all going to be, you know, the world's changing so quickly and so on and so forth. So I was at that sort of mindset in 2010. And I was like, I, I don't want to go back to insurance or banking or financial services or mutual funds. I want to do something which is more, you know, uh, more in the tech world because I, I genuinely feel that's where and that's more interesting to me. Uh, so it was just a very hazy idea and I couldn't figure out what to do. I applied to one or two jobs in companies like eBay and ClearTrip and all of that because those were the only, I don't want to get out of Bombay. I was a Bombay kid. Uh, so <clears throat> those were the two, three names. I didn't even get those jobs and uh, for a variety of reasons. And I was at this crossroad and I had met a few friends from IIT Bombay, great developers, you know, uh, had started using the cloud back then. Uh, and I told one of the guys who I got friends with that, hey, you know, insurance companies just don't get technology. I don't know what to do in life. But you're also not doing anything. Let's just try something out for six months. Let's see what happens. So I just took a break. I said, let's just try it out. And Glitterbug was the company that we found. We started selling software to insurance companies uh, back in 2010, 2011. Reselling or making your own software? Making our own software. I had seen enough of the problems to know where the where the custom software or like yeah, new where, software yeah. would... So they would have systems which were really bought by, you know, uh, they, they would, these large companies, enterprise, some software. This back in 2010, some of them didn't even... They were black screens. It's it's like that bad. Uh, uh, their agents, the customer, uh, the insurance company, the agents did not have an application uh, on which they could access the company's products. or So it was just like uh, fairly fairly rudimentary. Uh, so we started building middleware to connect their non-web-friendly systems to the web, basically. You know, some sort of middleware in which their underwriting systems, policy systems, all of that could be made web-friendly so that applications could be built on top of it for agents, for customer service, or for end customers, right? That that I knew that unless their middleware was made, it would not happen. And that was uh, probably not very obvious to... Some of the folks at that time, they were trying to figure out one thing by one thing. Okay, I need a website for a customer. Okay, they'll make a website. I'll buy some Yahoo clicks, but I don't know how to connect it back to my underwriting system. So it was a very broken approach. Of course, those were times where it, things were not very clear. So we started becoming this middleware company. It spoke to, you know, sold to ICICI, Prudential, bunch of two, three years I did that. As I was doing well, I never raised any money. Um, and uh, I, once the company was two years old, two and a half years old, we were doing about 10, 12 crores in revenue, um, basic software services. Some of it had started getting productized. And after that, there was no much growth. Like I, I knew it would grow at like what, 30, 40. I like, I didn't know what I was doing, but Ola was happening. You know, all of these things had started to, you know, take shape. And I said, we need to productize this and we need to make it larger. We need to go international or start selling to banks also, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So I need to raise money now uh, because I need to expand. Uh, I went in 2012 or 2013, I tried to raise money after running the company for two years. I went to a bunch of angels. I got kicked out. I didn't get any money from anybody. Uh, but I think one of the conversations that genuinely changed my life, and I have repeated this often, is with Anupam Mittal. Uh, I went to him. For, but he was a good, prolific angel even back then. Uh, I went to him and I showed him what we did and why we needed the money and, you know, and so on and so forth. And he said, like, no. Uh, I don't think this is an investable business. Uh, and But he was kind enough to meet me for a coffee a few days later and explain to me why. He said, this is not going to become more than 100 crore revenue company. So maybe it's a good boutique business for you. 
uh but i i don't think this is going to become a very large you're at 10 15 crore revenue the kind of business model you have you're not going to get very large and you're talented your co-founder's talented he was from iit bombay i think you guys should just do something more worthwhile with your time is my advice to you it really i think shook me up because i thought i was doing well uh, frankly and i it, we took a uh, devendra was the name of my co-founder then uh, and we took a step back and like hey really what are we doing you know it just made us sit back and think and said that we we made all this technology we've connected complex underwriting systems of insurance companies uh it's really bad to work with and you know we've done all this hard work why is the insurance company my customer let's make the end customer my customer uh and those days policy bazaar existed but it used to be a lead gen platform like you could see products leave your phone number and the insurance company would yeah because also let's look at it 2013 <laughs> is not when payments in india was not as what it is today so and insurance products are not small they would be 10000 rupees 15000 rupees 5000 rupees uh from a ticket size perspective uh so you would have to go and pick up checks at people's houses because n- nobody would pay 10000 rupees 15000 rupees at on online payments at that point so policy bazaar's model used to be generate the lead give it to the insurance company insurance company does the fulfillment uh partly they would also do it because insurance companies underwriting systems and transaction processing systems were not able to connect with apis and that's the middleware that we had built to connect them to the web saying hey we can now take this software that we've created we know how to connect it and create a transaction platform not a lead gen platform because we know how to integrate and that was the pivot to coverfox so the same team same company actually glitterbug became the parent company of coverfox and that's how uh, we got into that business saying coverfox hey, was an in- online aggregate. insurance aggregator yeah hoping to t- close the, the comparison through a yes. transaction yes and that point policy bazaar was mostly lead gen and we thought that was the moat into the business and we will be able to do it uh, 2013 uh, we got the platform live we we got uh finally institutional investors started looking at us uh, axel invested cef now elevation uh invested in i think 2013 or 2014 i don't remember when uh yeah and that's how we took off ifc came on board and uh, we, we and uh i think uh, 18 20 months into the business maybe roughly 2 years mid 2015 uh I went back to the board and said we are in the wrong business. <laughs> it was uh, Why is that? What triggered that? Uh <clears throat> uh not in the uh, let me let me not put it badly saying it's a wrong business. It's a low potential business. Okay. Uh to uh, to put it that Again, way. Again, why? Yeah. So so Because from yeah. from what you said insurance is a large business. Yeah. So yeah, you look at it and and finally of course policy bazaar also became a transaction platform. They had always the advantage of traffic and brand because the number one destination So uh, I'll just I'll, I'll just put it this way right when you run a marketplace for anything uh, we are running basically a marketplace for insurance right in some sense uh one of the things that you're attempting to do is two things you really need going for you in a marketplace model I feel uh, is that you are simplifying lots of selection for customers okay so you go to Amazon millions of sellers millions so of products of selection. breadth of selection right and you're narrowing it down and product discovery is happening and so on and so forth when you look at and the platform has the power because there are millions of small sellers 
to bring that convenience to customers and also become a destination for the seller right uh, so it works for both right that's what the platform is able to provide value to the seller and provide value to the consumer when you do this for insurance essentially there are only 10 sellers or and maybe they're 20 many, they're powerful they hold the cards as well they hold the cards out of the 20 sellers 10 brands is what customers don't want to buy because they never heard of them it's like i said brand is important in insurance don't want to buy as in they are those brands are a hard sell for consumers you know so if i want to sell a tier 3 insurance brand today which a customer has not heard of okay i'll i'll tell you without you know i have deep respect for the company liberty mutual which is a global large insurer entered india and started selling we did some consumer research while i was covered they thought it was a chappal company you know because uh, so liberty liberty and they yeah. like why, why, why would i buy insurance from a chappal company right like so uh so you really customers wouldn't consider some of these brands because for them it was a critical uh, critical decision so when you look at a marketplace you've got 20 suppliers or sellers seven eight brands customers don't want to buy the top seven eight brands that the customers want to buy are big daddies they are deeply entrenched with bank distribution this that where they use their own agents they have their own agents this that whatever bazaar, it is all of these all, all of this so you are really not even today the largest aggregator policy bazaar 7000 7 8000 crore premium that they do just digitally maybe they now they've gone offline also they do another 2 3000 crores there if you look at it per insurer tata bajaj how much of their top line tata's top line is coming from policy is like 2% no one cares you know uh, <clears throat> so uh, they believe the suppliers believe they say hey if you don't give me so much business i want to pull my product off your platform so now again what you're doing is you're becoming that bad intermediary who's like i don't care if the product is good or no i can't afford to let tata go off my platform so push the tata product you know uh, so the seller has the control okay the platform has less control i'm not saying it has zero control it has less control second i think plat- marketplaces tend to do is create habit right uh, like i live in bangalore my brother for a long time was in gurgaon i use swiggy he uses zomato i am not able to use zomato he is not able to use swiggy for whatever reason we just got it's it's habit creation right insure is not a habit creation product i'm not going to buy every day i need one once a year life insurance decision maybe once a lifetime at that point in time i will consider and evaluate every option i'll talk to an agent i'll go to policy bazaar also i'll talk to my bank also i'll talk to my friend also take advice from him also like and it's a considered decision it's not a habit category it's it, some category. food food is habit cabs is habit shopping is habit i go to amazon i've start going lesser to flipkart or vice versa whatever it is the policy bazaar or cover fox would never get there you know it's just not the category uh so if you're if you cannot create you know uh supplier control uh you cannot create a habit and you have no control on the fulfillment experience which is claim then why are you really then what are what are you like what are you controlling then i call this business and i i i have deep respect for yashish because he's opened up the online market in india i think that's that's a different job that he has delivered for india uh, because before him there was no insurance online like really uh, pretty much so we like aqua today is reaping benefits of what you know uh, policy bazaar has done but really when you look at that business model essentially saying fulfillment i don't have control supplier side i don't have i'm not adding much value to so it's just what i would call a traffic arbitrage model you know 
people who are naturally coming to search anything online today uh, instead of searching on google they search on policy bazaar because that's where they get concise aggregated uh, information and that traffic arbitrage is what you're able to monetize okay uh, uh, which i think is a lightweight business model in my personal opinion and where you look at globally also uh aggregators versus insurers uh the market cap of the biggest aggregator in the today policy bazaar is the biggest aggregator in the world by market cap there is no other aggregator even as highly valued as policy bazaar the biggest aggregated market is uk us aggregation never took off it is not there's no policy bazaar equivalent in the there are companies like that with the policy bazaar model but they're very small they're much smaller than policy bazaar also china it didn't take off south africa it didn't take off the only and only country where aggregation the policy bazaar or cover fox model has really taken off is uk that's the only they has they have three four policy bazaar kind of companies uh, and all of them are large but if you look at the market cap and what value that they have created is not even one tenth of what the insurers have created so wh- whichever way i looked at it i said i'm not adding enough value to consumer supplier is too strong uh you know claims fulfillment i sell the product a company does a not so great job insurance company does not so great job and on the claims comes to you the customers call us they screw our happiness they leave us negative reviews uh, i could do the, i am not able to underwrite better and channel conflict i think the other big reason i think i just call out is and then maybe stop this monologue is that uh, uh if icici or bajaj are selling through a car dealer or a bank Let's say I go and tell ICICI as Cover Fox, and I tried this as Cover Fox. I will get you customers cheaper because I don't need to put manpower to source the customer like a car dealer. I I have enough data on the consumer. He's I'm happy to share that data with you to tell you who's a good customer, bad customer. Let's develop this jointly. I want a cheaper price for the good users. I said that's what I want. You know, as the platform, let's work together, uh, and uh, I'll give you cheaper acquisition than a car dealer. and i will also share data with you uh, in lieu i want that when you identify who's a good consumer versus a bad consumer working alongside us please offer those customers a better price better price uh, because 80% of the customers are good 20% of the customers are <coughs> fraudulent or whatever it is right uh, uh, so i thought in coverfox that if i do this you know my platform will become better and as consumers see good good customers see lesser prices more traffic more people would gravitate oh, it's a virtuous cycle it's a virtuous cycle better people come to you better people and, and you know so i couldn't do it uh, in i said i'll work on zero commission for a while let's do profit share you know uh, on 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 the portfolio or whatever it is the channel conflict is so high that the top companies are unable to show a lower price on their website or coverfox website compared to what has been provided to the dealer maruti dealers will stop selling you if the price on cover fox is lower so these insurance companies would come back to me aap paise aur le lo lekin hum price nahi kam kar sakte you take more commission we have no problem but maruti today is a 3000 crore relationship for me i'm not going to disrupt it access bank is a 1000 crore relationship for me so it goes back to the point that you mentioned earlier right yeah. for large insurers they're viewing their business as aggregate wholesale yes right and that is in opposition to i mean you're coming to them and saying potentially hey varun is a great customer do yes. you want to give him a better price deal yeah. 
and that person is saying varun is one or he's 10 people or 20 people and on the other hand i have this massive business so in some senses it's yeah. like it's the clash of business models as well it's a clash legacy, of business model um, way of approaching it versus a more yeah post internet atomic i would agree yeah uh, uh, yeah so uh, i i think that see at that time that was the right <clears> model you know back when these companies started off icsa bajaj startup this was only 2000 right you couldn't build a direct to consumer insurance company back then even now it's hard <laughs> i would say uh, but in those days it would probably be impossible yeah, and, and those yeah. businesses are large now right they're and, very large and i think the, yeah. the 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 most important thing that at least i've understood when it comes to if you have i mean and this exists in publishing as well right if you have a large legacy business yeah based on an earlier business model and you're also trying to create something new and those two are clashing it's almost impossible it's, it's very hard it's almost I, I, and i think uh, when we talk to public market analysts or we talk to it's like why can't icsa do what you're doing or why can't so and so do what you're doing I said, do it they have all the money they have you know uh, so you have to disrupt your own existing you have to, business you have and to revenue disrupt. And it's a very hard call and i i'm not saying you're in between a rock and a hard place and uh, it's what we classically call this the innovators dilemma right like you just you can't disrupt it somebody will have to take a call that i'm going to have negative growth i'm going to get down on profit i'm a listed company i need to show quarter on quarter profitability for my stock to gain momentum that's not happening it's 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 a very very tough call how do you isolate experiments uh culturally you're also very different organized i also will go back to the word that i use protection destination for these 100 200 million people uh when you look at the other insurance companies in india they have a broader view right they 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 underwrite they sell insurance to buildings to aviation to government tenders crop uh to to lots of these things personally my belief is you cannot be excellent at all of these things you you cannot be a great government insurance business you cannot be a great commercial insurance business you cannot be a great retail business the softer point is that the talent also the team and the dna also just doesn't remain the same if you have somebody good at really cracking government crop insurance business and running it profitably it's a very different dna and a skill set i'm not saying good or bad they they're equally it is very hard yeah i agree with you So just to kind of look at your career arc you started with an insurer yes and then you said I don't want to do insurance and I'm going to build this middleware which yeah. you said isn't interesting enough big enough yeah. and you decided to become an aggregator yes and then you finally said look none of this matters we got to become an insurer yes. so it's like a full circle full circle and people tell me this my like you we started off that you know I, I think you mentioned I don't know whether it was before the interview saying hey this is your third company or to me is this one company <laughs> i've been doing hey let me sell software to insurance companies no no it's not working let, let me, me become the aggregator no no it's not working it's like i have to, you know so uh, it's, yeah. it's it's a space that's become very close to me yeah with the benefit of hindsight what's yeah. your advice to others when it comes to looking at your career and pursuing something that's of interest to you what's what's your advice yeah i i think uh, uh i think i i'm a little old school uh, i i think whatever you like doing you should give it like 10 15 years uh, i think when i take founders or professionals whichever whichever way and and i uh, uh, i think some some founders have a attachment to the space for whatever like they could have worked in it or they have a you know unique insight to it or whatever it is i think those journeys last 
um because you are not looking at it as a valuation or you're not looking at i insurtech was not a word when i you know uh, i i i didn't coin the word or it came i like oh i'm i'm doing insurtech apparently you know uh, in 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 some sense for for me the space was important or it became important i think if you have that attachment how many ever pivots you need different companies you need you'll keep sort of banging your head against the problem till you get there and somewhere hopefully there's some successful outcome uh, at the end of it but if you get down to a fad you know i want to do crypto i want to do web3 i want to do you know uh, you're not allowing for to use a financial term compounding you're not allowing your thinking is not compounding your you know i want to do like uh, social e-commerce is like the big thing i'm not saying the people who are doing it don't have attachment to the space but i have also met enough people who are doing it because it's the hot thing china so mein chal gaya yeah to use the same financial yeah. analogy it's like if you're investing by putting money into one mutual fund one year and then taking it out reinvesting into yes. stocks and then versus yeah picking great funds or stocks and yeah. allowing them to compound over 10 or 15 years we have evidence that almost always the compounding strategy yeah. wins it, and it wins and 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 i say this you know with humility the 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 depths that i have gained i i can challenge that a lot of people in this space have not gained i have just been at this problem for 15 years i still don't think i know half the things that how to solve it but it's not the and and uh, people ask me you know if i couldn't happen if the gov- i said i would keep trying like i i would find you know the next task. i don't know what else to do like n- nothing else is as interesting to me as this is and even with professional other team members who work in our team uh, i keep telling them that you know most most people who will take flipkart for you know we all had that 700 million dollar esop let's even take a monetary lens or material lens to things right the people who made the money on that were people who lasted the journey uh the people who hey hey i want to become avp i want to become like i want to be head of product i want to be you're not giving me this opportunity blah 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 and keep flipping and not really deepening their skill set their ability to manage teams their own compounding but they actually i've never seen them make money their esops never vest they they they're just not there for the you know the the day the price is there they they have just already optimized for the short term uh gain so i think my my advice or philosophy is just as long as you can go if you can come in as a founder or as a professional that see things can go wrong and you may have to make some shifts or whatever it is unless you're in the wrong place i should just give it 10 years yeah what motivates and drives you on a daily basis i have frankly no idea i can tell you that i was super lazy i didn't try to excel at school i didn't try to get into the iits or stanford or what i i knew i was not dumb but i i was very very lazy uh, uh my friends would call me lazy like i wouldn't try to uh ace my assignment or was, you were not yeah. driven as a student not at all but not today not How at driven all i i am very driven and i don't know why i i don't know i, I think i started figuring out this trait in me uh that i could uh potentially is when uh, i could make an impact in the real world when i was working in my first job and i could change things i set up something which became successful a small unit it just gave me like uh you know a kick like hey i can make shit happen you know and and i think that's addictive at least to me i'm not saying it is uh, uh to everyone so and it just became purposeful so now i can if i'm traveling my dots connect hey i can connect this thing to insurance or i can connect it's just your mind is working all the time uh, but 
I don't see I haven't come across any spiritual deep motivation it just happened along the way do you, I mean since you mentioned yeah. spiritual do you meditate not much not much I I try to get uh, I try to get enough of a workout in couple of times a week to me that's just by myself my calm space but it's not like I sit down and uh, sit down and meditate yeah how do you define success today versus maybe 10 years ago I think 10 years ago to be honest I just wanted to make a company and make money if I can be honest I wasn't deeply attached to I think as you grow a little older uh, and as you realize that what you're doing you f- you actually I would genuinely say you forget about the money you just completely it sounds like cliche or sounds uh, sounds not genuine if I can uh, put it that way but yeah you just completely forget about the money uh, it just becomes so uh, uh deeply ingrained with your identity with what you do how you think uh, your life revolves around you uh, your life revolves around this that it just success just starts meaning something different so you know l- and, let me hold you to yeah. that which is like often like you know when people are young it's like i wish i had a million dollars yeah i wish i was like, like what's that for you right now what's your most ambitious success to me i like definition? i t- to me i want to uh let me put it, I, i'll i'll say two things uh i want aqua to be pub, a public company i want aqua to last beyond me you know and and not be a sell out situation i think financial services companies like hdfc or icici or even kotak first gen right kotak is for, they can be massive and they can be large institutions Uh, I'd love to build an institution like that in India that maybe I have to hang my boots 5 10 years from now or whatever it is or maybe I'm not the right guy to run it but I think we are in a place where at least Aqua's business model the space that it is in I think it has a shot at it to me that that will be success uh, that it lasts beyond me uh, it's not some uh, company that has to be saved because it continues to burn money and you need to find a buyer I think that will be very uh, very important to me second uh, I am a reason uh, I would like people who work in Aqua to say good things about Aqua when they leave. I think that's important to me. People will leave. They will have different career aspirations. They'll fulfill a part of their career in Aqua. I don't there, there'll be some who who've been there pre-inception. They're still there 6 years, 7 years. I think they'll do 10, 15 years also with Aqua. Some will learn a lot. We will learn from them the 4, 5, 3 years that they give and they'll move on. But I think it's important to me maybe I'm vain or whatever it is I don't know I want people to say hey, I learned it was a good place I think that's important to me when when we've had a disgruntled employee leaving and saying it hurts me that they said I was a shitty place something went wrong with them maybe things didn't align but uh, I would not like to be remembered as a company which treats it's uh, like to be remembered as a company which treats its people very well I think that's important to me yeah in many ways what you're saying are all aligned if it's an institution that is around 20 years from now yeah. 25 years from now chances are it needs to be an institution which is able to retain yes. people grow yes. people etc yes. and all of that yeah and and right. we are very frankly we are very proud of that we've had most of our initial people are still there most of them i would say 80% of them are still there some who come in don't align and then leave quickly uh, that has also happened but yeah I'm I'm quite uh, uh, proud of the fact that those people continue to believe in Aqua and continue to believe in where we are going. 
um there is this adage that we are often the average of the five people that we spend the most amount of time with yes who would be the five people you spend the most amount of time with uh i think uh, the five people that i spend so sanjeev and vish sanjeev who's the ceo uh, vish who's our uh, chief product and technology officer so i think pretty much everything that's critical in the company is done between the three of us so we're constantly talking uh maybe grabbing lunch together and just so i think those three my wife of course uh, uh uh and my parents i think my parents were in bombay i moved them to bangalore i requested them to move to bangalore after covid uh yeah so these are probably how are they liking bangalore uh yeah they are much they're resisting bangalore no they aren't they are liking the weather because they've lived in bombay most of their life and taking a walk in the afternoon was impossible <laughs> in bombay but now they take a walk in the afternoon so they are they are liking it yeah these are probably the three four people that i spend most of my time with if you could go back in your career yeah and change one thing is yeah. there something that you would like to change uh not like uh i don't think i would like to change something i i i think uh i honestly believe that everyone has their own unique journey and i had to do a glitter bug i had to you know do a bunch of these things to get uh uh to get I'm to fully where align uh, with you uh, on that so while while those the glitter bug to cover fox period <coughs> as an entrepreneur was not very fruitful for me because those companies didn't do well or those companies i had to move on and you know set up something new uh today what i'm able to do or what the opportunity i have been provide in fact even even to the extent that uh, let me let me put it this way if an individual back in 2016 went to irda and said an individual i want to open an insurance company they would just tell you to get lost you know politely i did that and that was because the same regulator has seen had seen me because of cover fox you know and i could have this conversation they at least thought of me as somebody who's credible who's honest who's trying to solve something you know who's maybe outlandish in what he's asking for but i was not an unknown commodity uh, uh unknown commodity to them so that credible so i don't think i would have changed anything i think the only thing if if i, I if i would not change it i regret is that my early 20s i wasted a lot of time i just wasted a lot of time i think i only started getting serious about doing something whether it was glitter i really tried to put my mind at something when i was 30 so there's a lot of evidence that shows that yeah most successful entrepreneurs like you know tend to be older than we think and perhaps the point to the point that you said right you need to have that open mind and unknown explorations like when you're young no i was not even exploring for... anything i was just like doing my job taking my paycheck having a drink with my friends and going to goa like that's all i was doing like i had i had no aspiration it wasn't like i was an avid reader i'm spam an intellectual none of it so i just sometimes feel that you know maybe 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 i could have done more with my time uh, then but yeah beyond that yeah nothing else what is it that you had you feel you add most value to aqua as uh i think the biggest value that i think i can i bring to the table is connecting the dots uh that's it actually uh i i said somewhere in the in 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 the beginning that uh 
the it's a large sector it's a deep business uh, people who understand it largely sit out of bombay and they understand this business really well and i'm using loose placeholders it's not like nobody in bombay understands technology or nobody in bangalore understands insurance but as a you know general narrative the bangalore world which is really product design data the way to solve problems differently these two worlds i had the opportunity to be deep in both and i can safely say that there are not more than 10 people or 20 people who have had this confluence of careers uh, who deeply spend time in that regulated business and deeply spend time on the technology uh, side of things i believe that gives me a unique perspective of where these dots connect how and i keep telling the team that if we can make these worlds work together and I, it sounds that it shouldn't be hard get the right people in i can tell you the first 3 years at aco i struggled with this clash of culture the way they do things the way these guys do things these guys would come and question why is an insurance policy even designed this way you know versus it's like aise hi hota hai you know like you don't even get it it's an actuarial calculation like it's very hard to get these people to i think that that ability to traverse both worlds is what i really bring now i am i'm i'm proud of the fact that uh, these cultures have now meshed in uh in aqua and that is really where the magic will uh, magic will happen so i think my biggest value add is continuously trying to connect the dots in these two worlds i know it's a little esoteric at a high level but yeah i think it makes a big difference i think difference. that's where yeah. the value creation yes. happens right yes. when there are two silos both of which are valuable in their own way absolutely they are also very divergent yes. if you can get them to connect that's where the value creation happens yeah you've obviously hired a lot of people over the years yes how do you spot talented people what are you looking for i'd say right now my hit rate about and let me talk i'm i'm not talking at maybe people who are just starting their career or whatever it is but at least people who are mid or senior management my hit rate i would say is still 50% of where i thought the guy was great or the person was great and when they actually came on board Uh, like half the time has worked out very well half the time it's just not i was probably elated in the interview and finally I, it didn't work out for me or it didn't work out for them so i still don't know uh, is my uh, first so answer I'll, yeah yeah please continue yeah uh, that i still don't know uh, there are some telltale signs uh, i know what to avoid uh, versus really what to look for uh, i think it's a little bit of elimination uh, for me like even asking you know i'll give you an example one of the pet questions that i ask in you know in an interview is while while trying to get a leader on board is if you had like the same question you asked me actually coincidentally and that's why i remember it last 10 years in your career you wanted to change something if there was anything that you'd do differently what is it that you would have done differently if anything and you would be surprised that very few people have the humility to say i did these three things wrong and you know and i or i handled my team badly i don't think i didn't think i coached them enough i didn't i i think my team was operating in silos and i you know and 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 i had to learn the hard way a lot of people you know uh, oh i should have some people even take it back to oh i should have taken an admission here or i should have jumped that job it's about what would have worked for them better you know uh versus telling thing hey how they could have operated and contributed better 
it's a very clear sign to me of somebody who's constantly looking to improve and better themselves versus who's somebody who's improving their outcomes uh their outcomes will improve as a you know uh, as a by product of if they do this part well but i think that to me is like a telltale sign it's very difficult for people to answer the question how do you organize your week like just just answering your best like what do you do attempt spend time hiring half the time you'll realize at least i've learned to realize that people react to the work that lands in their inbox versus saying hey i have a very clear plan my team parts of my team are weak i need to spend consciously a day a week mentoring them coaching them whatever or at least spending time with them i need to do my reviews a certain day i need to build my future team capacity or whatever it is that i need to do they don't have a plan you know uh so some of these not that i do or i'm perfect at these things but i know that these are things that i need to improve to get to do my job better uh but i think people i tend to stay away from if i can be honest is people who don't even have an awareness of what learning or what they need to improve or whatever it is i'm not looking for perfection and yeah. i think that question that you asked right like you know what would you do differently and i think you talked about outcomes the way i look at it is that you know the response that you get is that is the person saying that if i had done this di- you know differently this is how different my resume would look yes, today absolutely. versus how different i would look as a yes. person yes you're trying to look for yeah you know you talked about awareness you're yeah. essentially trying to find people who are keen to grow as persons and people yes. not grow their resume because yes. the resume is the outcomes yeah yeah All right very interesting um you've done obviously like 450 million dollars plus is a lot of venture capital and i'm sure you've had to meet a lot of venture capitalists along the yes. way yes what are some of the learnings from your failed attempts uh i think there have been lots of them uh uh i think i would say 80% of the time it's your problem why it's failed uh because is not like uh you are not able to articulate what's obvious to you is not obvious to them is something that uh uh and at a very very uh literal level you have to like really break it down sometimes because a lot of what i have tended to do initially was this is aco this is what we do this is our metrics look this is our broad strategy this is our large game plan this is the vision whatever it is that you do in a pitch uh without really contextualizing of how they see the market uh i think that's been like a big learning for me that if i don't contextualize the market if i don't i don't have to talk much about aco aco's benefits and virtues and probability of success is far more evident to them once they know if they start seeing the world through my lens uh if they have the broader narrative in their mind are insurance push product are ye are wo hai you know like you need lots of agent you need lots of distribution how much is the online business you know they they come with a sectoral view uh that sectoral view is very hard to break you know because they have a they have a view and they are not able to contextualize what we are seeing so a lot of my failed attempts have been where i think i have had the inability to contextualize and get them to first see my vantage point before they see my numbers for so instance, why are you an yeah. originator when why do you do things the way you do why is like i i think digit and us get 
spoken of fairly together. They're five times our size. Uh, they're like, hey, what are you guys doing wrong? Like they're like four, five times your size. And I said, right, like, like it's if 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 you don't want to own the granularity, I can scale tomorrow, pay two percent extra commission, just take on as much business that you in any risk business in lending or in insurance. The easiest thing is to do is grow. I also said we grow at forty percent is because if you try to grow faster, we'll take on bad risk. So it's very difficult to explain a lot of these nuances and i think that's that's been my learning sorry yeah. i have a, a tangential question which yeah. relates back to the point about granularity now if you're saying one of your common themes has been we want the right kind of customers and we are ac- willing to accept a a trade off of slightly lesser growth for better quality of business and customers yeah. but at some like what is the positive payback from this like yeah. when you look at it over 5 years 10 years or 15 years what will you have which others may not have because you chose yeah a slower more deliberate strategy today yeah obviously i mean this is a business so if you are choosing to give up something today yeah it must translate to something 100%. in the future yeah. what is that i think two very clear things uh, i think um one what it does is that because you're not paying recurring commissions and you're a better underwriter because you have data and you have been able to weed good from bad and this is also muscle you develop day one when we started all our underwriting technology calls were wrong you know it's not like we were underwriting customers better today we are because it's taken us 5 years so anybody new who does it is also follows this path of granularity has going to be able to build their own risk models figure out how to what's good what's bad maybe you're a great customer but you live in rohini in delhi with open parking i know your car is going to get stolen probability is three times this is all knowledge and data that has been built up Sorry, over years in, in that example yeah. how are you getting this data which one that in rohini you stay in an area and you have open parking so the chance of getting stolen if like, the address is you're able to start figuring out clusters within so we underwrite a car insurance book there are thefts that happen we pay for the car the car so is obviously feeding that we, back we into feeding that models. back okay here are clusters within cities where thefts are quite common okay what kind of car why is the theft happening there okay there is not enough gated societies in this area it's all independent bungalows is parking on the road oh that's why it's happening so you feed it back right like so so does that translate to higher premiums yes it could it could or we, if something is highly fraudulent uh, not high very high propensity uh for uh for theft we may not even offer a good court because sorry i mean yeah. i i'm asking this question because i was under the impression that for instance in countries like let's say the us uh the premium that you get quoted can dramatically vary yes. because of various uh, yeah, data points around either yeah. right and in india uh my understanding as a lay person please correct me if i'm wrong is that there are irda regulations that uh prevent how much of variation that can happen are are you saying that for instance if i stay in a particular area and that's known to be prone to thefts i could get a much like that's allowed that's that yes. exists today aco can aco does today also as of mm. today also the the yeah. thing is that it's possible but yeah. not everyone is doing it they're not doing it because they're offering a rate chart to the maruti dealer ah got it so it's not that regulations yeah. are preventing it it's business models are preventing the regulations it. do exist in the realm of what you're saying what they say is that you have to be clear <coughs> why you're charging somebody more or less if they audit you you know you cannot ah. you cannot say i have like let me put it badly i i have race religion gender 
you know i don't ensure hindus or muslims or you know i have I I, those it. those kind of issues that they want clarity uh health has different rules for example let's say you are my health customer and un- unfortunately some chronic illness happens i can't next year now say your premiums are double because now you're going to constantly be claiming if you got a chronic illness but yeah apart from principally things that are wrong to do it's all free to price the uh principally i can't take on a health insurance customer who gets cancer unfortunately and say your premiums now double now because now four years you're going to keep claiming right doesn't make any sense so 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 from <clears throat> what you're saying yeah. again like you know to go back to your um recurring theme about it's the narrative about the sector which is important what i'm seeing is that there are a lot of legacy business models and the way business is done yeah the entry of internet and now as a result of which the influx of large amounts of data that insurers yeah. will have yes and the freedom to be able to do pricing yeah. around it seems to lead to a place where i mean it's kind of ripe for disruption right no absolutely because it's on one hand legacy business models lots of data and intelligence regulatory freedom to experiment yes. and innovate a lot more should ideally yes. lead to much more much 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 more and and that's why the outcome that you were asking for is that fact that you have more data the fact that you're not recurring paying very high commissions uh leads to a very different financial outcome it's far more profitable we are hopeful of turning an underwriting profit while we are still younger uh i don't think uh, we want to be a the only way so i don't believe for example if a top private insurance company in india after 25 years and 16000 crores of, we are at 2000 crore premium income i told you there at maybe 16000 crores the 25 years old at that level if they are not profitable on the underwriting level i don't believe any further scale will get them more time more scale is not the answer anymore you know what we believe is that this model the way the way we are going about it will get there will get to a point where we own the customer we own the relationship we don't have to pay recurring commissions we have understood good from bad first principles right like going back to first principles is i need to know good customers from bad if i am an insurance company i need to not pay very high recurring commissions okay i want that the agent should not be able to take my customer away from me because somebody else is offering that same agent a higher commission for my customer right so these are simple principles that we built the design of the business on because these are the ills by that is not happening so i think we'll get there and the second thing is the regulators also opening a bunch of very cool things insurers have been looked at as risk carriers they have not been looked at as companies which can do other things for example today a bank can you know you go to a bank app they'll sell you shopping voucher to points to you know so they have some of them have e-commerce offers going on within the bank and all. insurance companies are not allowed to do any of these things today okay it's changing Uh, there's an insurance bill that was supposed to get passed maybe it's going to get delayed by a year or whatever but the regulator is very clear that insurance companies will be able to sell other insurance products uh, sorry sell other financial products as a distributor i'm a manufacturer and originator of insurance but if i want to sell mutual funds today the regulation doesn't allow me i can so thus when that happens owning the customer becomes yeah. a huge advantage yeah. then yes because today we started offering some allied services to our customers saying hey you know you want to sell your car because i know how old your car is how many accidents it has i know everything about your car i can get you a g- g- great quote for your used car i can unlock this value but i need to know who the customer and the customer needs to be willing to talk to me so so yeah. this is a shift to now 
truly seeing the customer from a lifetime value perspective Absolutely. as opposed to seeing customers as they come and go out they come and go out depending on whoever is bringing them yes. versus like a lifetime value yes. that that's, in that's this what exactly we are family's after. lifetime yes i can now potentially look at yeah lakhs worth of business or possibly even more more and you know it's not a small business like a uh, indian family uh, middle class upper middle class indian families protection wallet i'm not even talking about allied services that we can sell mm-hmm. them is about 800 600 to 1000 dollars a year depending on the age of a family uh, term protection health car bike travel whatever maybe some expensive gadget uh that you may own we do warranties and stuff for gadgets this wallet uh and lastly is between three products term car and health is about 700 dollars it's a lot of money annual red so aco's yeah. bet and your bet yeah. is to capture more of this wallet through a single brand yes. as opposed to the uh, aggregated like you know everyone will play for it which is the default yeah yeah right. and and there'll be some people who never believe in aco and or so let i'm assuming you're right. not yeah. aiming for 90% market, market share. share this is yeah. the good part about this business is globally and in india also is played out this is a fragmented market always is a fragment even the top insurers in the us the top 3 will own 30% hmm. and then there's a long india may be way ho raha so this is not a winner takes all market i have a very interesting question to you in the context of incentives and something that we were just discussing earlier around how premiums are priced Uh, we know now that for instance in the us if you're building a home in certain flood prone uh, prone areas or at risk of fire yeah. uh, you will not get home insurance yeah. right it just started to happen there yeah. that's right right like you know uh, now in bangalore you i mean yeah. during the floods yeah. last year you must have seen like you know a lot of claims yeah right uh, and one of the questions was how can you i mean obviously if you're waiting for um people to solve the problem by themselves is not going to happen so how can you incentivize people to not do that right so in today's construct like if you stay in what's definitely known as an area which was built let's say over a lake and which has been flooded three times over the last six years say uh would you get home insurance would you be able to sell your home i mean because this now comes down to protection right yeah. like you know i mean if you have data that shows that this is definitely what happens yeah. and there is no way it's changing etc what like how does insurance protection come in here is it even coming in here uh, i unfortunately i don't think we're there uh, from a maturity of the insurance industry standpoint uh, so so cars going down is a whole different ball game because it's an absorbable risk even if there are you know it's not yet reached the california fire levels or whatever that uh, we are able to today price it in you know and ensure that the pricing it in or charging for it in some small way is not so large that it is hitting your wallet as a as a as a customer and as an insurance company we've learned to do it because every city right now as we speak delhi is going undergoing floods uh you know 3 months ago bombay was uh, last year hyderabad also happened chennai also happens once in 3 4 years so we have learned as an insurance company that every year one metro city is going to go down okay uh, what is the granular version of that you can't your granularity mm. breaks okay because you you can't do anything the whole city is going down right so <clears throat> uh so from that perspective it's possible to price it in it's also possible to what we in our business called securitize or reinsure 
so we also buy insurance to protect yeah, our yeah. balance sheet so there's something called natcat insurance which is natural catastrophe insurance and my entire book goes down you know all my customers are affected i can't afford it right like i just can't it's a probability game i expect 20% of the customers to have problems yeah. if 80% of them have problems i don't have so a business so you are insuring yourself so we are insuring right. against freak events black swan events or you know some of these natural catastrophes the flood cyclone is whatever is going up as the share yeah. of premium that yeah. you pay yeah. as a business it's going up because whether you call it poor infrastructure climate change whatever it is that you want to call it uh you somebody's got to pay for it you know so in some sense we see it going i'll give you an example uh, till 3 years ago health insurers would buy a pandemic coverage because it's you know i'm i've underwritten hundreds of people or thousands lakhs of people and there's a pandemic i have to pay all the hospital till bills till 3 years ago yeah. meaning before the actual yeah. pandemic struck yeah now yeah. if you try and insurers used to buy pandemic insurance a part of their securitization strategy that black swan we should be protected some of them had forgot to buy also because like nahi ho raha abhi itne saal se yeah, it was like a check box somewhere yeah check box that, somewhere yeah. or whatever now you cannot run a health insurance business in india you have to again absorb the risk because pandemic insurance is so expensive that you can't run the business only like if i have to buy pandemic insurance today as a insurance company so that covid part 2 god forbid it never happens and i want to say that hey if covid happens then 20% of my customers are in hospitals i need insurance they'll they'll probably take away 40% of my premiums i mean so because now it they have gone from theoretical assumptions to, to real world assumptions to, to reality so it's it's getting harder and harder uh, so i don't know what the answer is some of the answers will lie with the government some uh, like one of the things that happened after covid was the government and insurance companies coming together to create what is called a pandemic pool because no private balance sheet is being able to handle it somebody will go down right completely go down so you'll have to create these pools of risk so i don't know what the answers to flood prone areas will be i don't think if if there are places in bangalore which constantly keep going down and property values fall there it so much data is not yet collected for that to starting to happen right now but yeah you'll have to have in some places i do believe government involvement will start happening what are some of the pet phrases that you're known for inside aco uh i am not convinced <laughs> yeah i think uh, that right. would have been my next question which yeah. is what is the one line that your team dreads hearing from you yeah so i'm assuming it's this yeah, i'm yeah. not convinced yeah there'll there'll be a lot of work that uh, you know unfortunately uh, you know they would have put in and i'll be just like no i'm not convinced we are there yet so yeah what yeah, are the so two right. or three most common adjectives people colleagues would use to describe you and echo uh i think um, i don't know what they would describe me as but definitely as uh um i'm reasonably high energy uh for sure whatever time of the day if you're discussing something i think uh uh sundays saturdays whatever it is that i need to do i think it it just gets it just gets done uh i think energetic maybe uh, for sure uh i don't know what's the adjective but uh, connected back to the i am not convinced i am i am very happy to keep waiting to find the right right solution but not deploy something just because everybody else is doing it uh, insurance actually it's like everybody has an opinion because there are 20 other companies doing something globally it's an old business and it's very easy for us to fall into that you know uh 
so so a line that i use and what some of the team members at least have started to identify is that market consensus leads to mediocrity okay like if everybody is doing the same thing because this is how it's done then you'll fall into uh, mediocrity i frankly use this with my investors also when they come and say are ye ho raha hai are wo ho raha hai i said hum bhi wohi karenge to <laughs> you know what's the difference it lead to same mediocre outcomes so you got to be a little patient and I, so i think those are one or two things that the team definitely identifies that not convinced i think we're doing something mediocre maybe office or work from home office big believer uh, we are uh, 3 days in office right now we are contemplating the uh, mechanics of making it full uh, full 5 days because we made some offers in covid which were remote and you know so on so we we can't not tell somebody to just leave their family or their job and or kids and just come over so we're creating figuring it out but i i do believe that um for all the traffic woes and 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 you know the practical side of that conversation i i think and i when we very uh, i think after that omicron wave or whatever around that time we had made it work from office even then we were not contemplating too much and there were there was resistance in the company uh, i wouldn't say there wasn't and at least my view was or the leadership's view was that it's a team sport you can't play alone at practice at home you know you you just can't i i think collectively building a company i think is a lot more than getting the job done on time uh it's it is to me like how you would look at sport you can't practice football at home you just can't you know uh so uh, to some degree flexibility is to, to avoid traffic all of these things we can do but you can't be a remote remote at least i i don't feel confident no. how do you run your week are you a calendar driven person yeah uh, by and large a calendar driven person uh, i think i'll usually pick up top two three things that are on my mind either are some things that i want to get a move on on uh, or some things that are worrying me and uh, the things that might not be so uh, i also have i think i could also reached a point where i can keep shouting but nothing will move it's a ship that now you know has its own priority conversely you yeah. could keep shouting and yet or not shouting and stuff will still get still, done still 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 uh, still get done like i i think one of the things that i'm 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 quite excited about where aqua is going apart from the business and so on and so forth i could literally go off for two months nothing will happen okay like that must be yeah. very yeah satisfying as a founder yeah it, so i i can literally some sometimes i go to office and like i have nobody to talk to you know uh, or, or i have nothing to do i literally have nothing to do because i have work to do in terms of future planning talking to investors and so on and so forth but the day to day business day to day i have like i i even if i can see it going wrong or see something going wrong i know there are people that are looking into it who will probably arrive at the same conclusion a week later you know or whatever it is so there's no point me being frantic about it uh, so uh, some places is good some places it's 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 not so good but uh, i think at a larger uh, at a larger level it gives me that feeling of you know saying that hey we can get to that institution building we can get to where people can collaborate take the right decisions more often than uh, more be more right than wrong you will go wrong but be more right than wrong i think we can hopefully be in that direction earlier on you had said that there was this there was this transition where i think you were like there are things that i don't enjoy and there are things that i enjoy and i'm good at yeah. and i want to do more of that yeah do you remember like you know i mean when that happened and after how many years of being an entrepreneur um um uh, so 
So let me let me put it this way, uh, uh, maybe slightly different. Anything to do with Aku, I enjoy. Like I can I can I can have degrees of saying, hey, I prefer this, but I'm not hating the other thing. Even if I have to run, I still answer every second comment on social media where a customer complains. That's the only social media presence I have. I don't tweet. I don't write on LinkedIn. I don't write blogs. I don't do anything. The only social media presence that you will see from me is when customers complain on LinkedIn or Twitter. That's when I respond. Maybe I I get I respond to maybe thirty forty percent of them. Of course, I can't respond to all of them, but I personally respond. So I I I enjoy doing any. To me, it, I I it hurts when a customer says Aco is a shitty company. Like so, I I will just jump on. I'm just connecting yeah. back to the earlier yeah. point where you said yeah. that it hurts if an yeah. employee who's leaving says yeah. it feels bad. Like it's yeah, my yeah. baby. Like it's mm. it's something that I've been so attached to. If people say, and I know we have the right intent. I know we don't want to cheat customers for small amount of money. I know that we are trying everything possible to ensure that, you know, we have smoother claims, faster claims. There are some things which are regulatory. I'll I'll give you an example. Auto insurance, car insurance in India, by law, by the way the regulator designed the product, does not. And in that you have to go with the regulator's product. In car insurance, there is no leeway of figuring out your own product. I can't make my own car insurance product. Health insurance, you can do a lot of customizations, cancer care, this care. But car insurance is completely. There are three four ministries involved, right? There is accidents, there's police, there's road ministry, there's insurance. So you you can't deviate from the feature set of the product. That feature set, as defined by the regulator today, hopefully it will change. Consumables, nuts, screws are not covered. Okay, in insurance, this is defined by the regulator. Okay. And thus, it exists as a rider. That is exists as an. Does it exist as an add-on? Most people while buying don't pick the add-on. Okay, and most people don't understand this is the regulator's call. Or not echoes, but call. they will misunderstand that as you are trying to hold something back. वो यार बीस हजार रुपए दे दिए आठ सौ रुपए काट लिए. You know, like that that pettiness hmm. that comes in. You know, and we are not trying to do it. One of the things the calls that we took very early on is that we will pre-bundle that rider in the price because explaining it is more complicated. So we pre-bundle it so that we don't have to cut that. You know, uh, customers don't because if I give it out separately again, some customers miss it. you know so we know we have the right intent uh, but even then when customers complain and they say hey this is a fraud company like like reaction uh, social media reactions are also quite quite stark right hey this is a fraud company they're cheaters and yeah, it's you know, very extreme it's right? very like, extreme you know, yeah. right so and almost always will tag the founder or yeah, the yeah it's always tag the founder <laughs> but i will be at like i want to reply go I, my calls will start going on to the team it's been half an hour why is no reply you know uh, going on so i don't i prefer all kinds of work it's it's just that i do believe that somebody like sanjeev who's come on board has a much more nuanced view of the pnl he sees risks in the pnl before i do okay uh, uh, so it's better for those set of eyes to be uh, looking at that uh because he's seen large balance sheets so right? see i have a vantage point on the business uh i i'm connecting these two worlds that's my so called strength uh and i should use that strength as much as possible but if somebody can understand these parts risks in the because they are in a risk business these parts better than me what's going wrong uh i think founders also have this exuberance right like we are all exuberant people we see only the positive ye bhi ho jayega wo bhi ho jayega so we invest in projects which are 
way out in the future i think people like vishen sanjeev give me the right balance they pull me back right like hey not the right time not the right time we need to hold down we need to let this thing stabilize before we you know uh, uh, jump onto the uh, jump onto the right thing so for me that sense of awareness was most important that it cannot be my calls and these calls coming in is actually better for aku because i can myself lead it to trash <laughs> by you know trying to push harder trying to push faster so that balance is good i think there are enough debates that happen i don't align with them sometimes they don't align with me sometimes but i think that's been the biggest learning for me that they don't need to align with me that's yeah uh, before we move on one last question here is and it's on the same topic which is earlier on you said that you know when you're interviewing people you try to understand what like are they work weeks planned or are their calendars a function of what comes to them yeah right and as a founder and i think i'm still talking about the transition right stuff comes at you yes all the time right yeah and much as you say that you don't mind working on any of them it's impossible for you to take all of it up absolutely right yeah. so there must be a framework and this goes back to the point about what do you want to do what do you add most value add yeah. where you said if 10 things come at me i'm going to do 3 yeah. and reject 7 yeah right what is that framework that today allows you to decide what are those 3 things that you pick and 7 things that you reject i think to me the first thing is the 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 10 things that come at you and making those top 3 top 4 kind of choices is is just very simple framework saying is there a fire okay which is urgency urgency right uh, for example there could be a new regulation which is hitting us okay which needs us to dip, disrupt any road map that we have or do do anything and i need to ensure that everybody's attention uh is is here right see one of the things that a founder he may or he he or she may not be effective but the best thing that uh that happens with the founder is that they get attention in the company when they say something right he may not be effective at solving the problem so what you're trying to do is use your so you, you in some yeah. senses you have a bell yeah, which everyone bell. right so yeah yeah it's, so it's i your, may not yeah. be the best guy to actually execute or solve any of it but i i know i can divert attention You and know, you know when to ring the when bell. to when to ring the bell so i think to me the framework is is there a fire is there something that we you know need to look at and that fire could be regulatory that fire could be you know that we are spending a lot more than we you know budgeted or the cfo's come to me saying hey you know we're spending a lot so that. some fire. The fire is one uh fire is one then i just pick up what's going to have the most impact how do you yeah. pick yeah okay that would have been my next yeah. question which is um fire is obviously stuff that yeah. you need to yeah. ring a bell for but many of the other things could be something which there is nothing urgent yeah. but like you said it's, it's zero to one yeah. project yeah. which how, do you have a framework for picking that so then? so uh, i don't think it's a framework i think you get at least i don't have a very specific framework but i think you intuitively get a sense of the business and where you are so i know for a fact that health insurance is something that aco has never advertised okay uh, i also know that i'm just giving you an example and health insurance is is uh, more trust based purchase than maybe car insurances uh and we are going to launch health insurance advertising or a campaign for the first time now i want to be on top of it you know because this is not just about getting health insurance right uh, or getting some demand or traffic for health insurance it is about now repositioning the company from a car insurance company to a 
because largely whatever you've seen of aco is car insurance ads uh, uh now we need to traverse categories so it's a larger call i want to be on top of it i don't want to be this to be like any other project that i'm i'm reviewing so you just get a sense of you know this hierarchical this this one is transformational transformational right it's hierarchic you you understand the hierarchy you know and you understand the time sensitivity of it so okay. i think it's intuitive what are you paranoid about uh i think the the one thing that i'm paranoid about and and which tends to happen and we consciously try to root it out is that as you grow larger you tend to become more mediocre and more bureaucratic and just and we see that and i'm That's not saying organizational entropy which will yeah, just it yeah. just happens we are seeing it uh, i'm i think leadership may bunch of us are trying to debug it all the time find better structures you know lessen the number of people involved in decision making and i think that worries me uh, because i've seen uh, all the time that the creative quotient of the business keeps coming down you know uh, because you then five people have to collectively decide then everybody takes the path of least resistance right let's ab ye kar lete hain decision by committee yeah so tends to happen somewhere it's needed somewhere it's not uh, yeah that's my paranoia because there is no formula to it there is no playbook to it you have to, this is what ails companies this is what separates from an apple from a blackberry you know or or whatever it is right so i don't know how to get there so that's a big uh, we have to constantly keep working on it i guess But just yeah. last few questions yeah. on a scale of 1 to 10 how happy are you with your life uh i'd say that's a tough one <laughs> and never never been asked to put a number on that but uh, yeah i i'd say i'm content more than happy uh, i also believe in being i i don't have too many uh, highs or lows I, i if if aco becomes a unicorn it's not like i'm going wild having a party or like oh i've cracked it, it it's it's a it's a mellow high and then it goes down so i would say maybe is yeah, whatever i'm 7 8 i'm I, right. i'd like to be between 6 and 8 all the time all right. i think it works better for me yeah. what does personal time for you look like um uh i read a bit but not too many books actually i think anything that on the internet that i find a certain podcast a, you know a, a certain you know if if i start going down how brian chesky thinks and whatever then i'll go down that rabbit hole and review everything that he said or done you know for a certain time so and then when you do this do you do some kind of note taking or collation or is just absorbing it's just mental it's just absorbing information it just i i have i have learned that there are some things that that don't make sense at that point but somewhere just the dots connect over a period of time and to me it's just interesting content i'd rather watch that or or read that uh than maybe a show or whatever it is uh, apart from that i do like watching some shows so uh, Netflix or or I what's your current, current favorite I think at le- last I finished watching the succession oh. uh, uh I think after that I really haven't picked up uh, anything and I take I like driving down uh on the weekend somewhere um what do week weekends look like for you uh weekends is is uh we have I I don't go to office on saturdays but saturdays usually still has some something to coordinate or some calls so maybe 2 3 hours a day i'm working intermittently on a typical saturday unless i've chosen to take time off from home uh usually it's dinner with family or a night with friends one of the two uh my parents live next door so either i'll have a meal with them or i'll go out it's just 
I I just vegetate. Like I don't do much. Watch something, spend time with family, or go out for a drink with the friends. Yeah. Is there anything that you've geeked out on in the last six months, twelve months? Ah, uh, completely unrelated to work. Ah, uh, no, not 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 six eight months. I no, I don't remember geeking out on something. No, not really. Okay. Yeah. My last question to you. Yeah. If there could be a word to describe you, what would that be? Dogged. <laughs> It's the word. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.